follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. gentlemen welcome to the four corners podcast i'm shad here with matt and brad thank you all for joining us for this episode gentlemen how are you doing doing quite good shad cool i'm doing well as well well chowing down on that discount post valentine's day candy no i'm right into the i'm right into the easter candy (laughs) getting started early because you got you got you got the the starburst jelly beans, which are, other than jelly bellies, the superiorest of jelly bean. That's true. Ah, see, I don't like I don't like jelly beans of, of any sort. Yeah, you're missing out, man. I've shared before. I think I I don't care for any gummy candy except for sour patch. And even then, I'm like I'm not really always in the mood for sour patch. You know what's mm-hmm. funny? Uh, my wife is pretty hit or miss on chocolate, so for Valentine's Day, she got a heart-shaped box of Sour Patch Kids and was quite happy with her haul. That seems like a good pick. My um, <laughs> my wife, while she was carrying my seed before germination uh, finished, uh, used Sour Patch Kids to treat morning sickness. Worked like a charm. So... Mm. Anyway, the uh, <laughs> Brad, you, Brad, you said we your wife veered off it. weird quick. That's that got real weird. Wow, Brad, you said your, your wife got what? A, like a heart shaped box of Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> Some magic words. Who's <laughs> Everyone's at home doing their Guitar Hero button presses right now. You know what? They don't play, for some reason, at least, I don't know if this is like nationwide, but locally, they play like the same two Nirvana songs if they're going to play a Nirvana song. And it's so annoying. It's like, why don't you play Heart Shaped Box? Like, they don't play them. We get, we get like five. I. This is something that locally here in D.C. they'll do. It literally, I don't think there is a, there certainly is not a week that goes by where they won't play like the same two Sublime songs. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Like oh, this they band. always play the Santeria and what's the other one yeah. they always play? Uh, now I forgot the name of it. Um, well, they all, I mean, Sublime, in my opinion, only had like three songs. And it, it had like one, they had one album that anyone yeah. ever knows and then the guy died, and that was the end of it. It's like they're like so overplayed for what you have. It's the same thing with um, with Alice in Chains. They just play "Man in the Box." Now you don't get yeah. anything else. Yeah, it's funny the um, 
the Nirvana song I hear most often is Come As You Are. It's not Smells Like Team Spirit, so... I hear Team Spirit yeah. a lot. Um... But, uh... Anyway. I, I honestly... <laughs> I could do without ever hearing Nirvana again, because it is way overplayed here. But, like, we, we have a lot of... I know it's I know it's iHeartRadio now, but they own a lot of stations here. And I guess part of being part of iHeartRadio is playing the exact same mix of the same 50, 80s, and 90s songs over and yeah. over and over again. Basically. Coming up next, War of the Roses. <laughs> oh, good. What it's, a callback. Oh, what good. a callback. Oh, good. It's Don't Stop Believing for the 50th time today. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I guess I will give them credit. They did at least add the immigrant song into the mix after uh-huh. Thor Ragnarok was popular. Really? Yeah, I've heard that song way more the last like two years than I've I've heard it in the last like fifteen. What I find funny is I hear Aerosmith on the radio now way more than I ever did when they were like a relevant band. Hmm. Our local rock station apparently does a pretty good mix from what I'm hearing from you guys. So, well, and then with with our local hard rock station, the one that Howard Stern used to be on way back in the day, I like to play the I'm going to turn this station on and I have a 50 50 shot that there is a Metallica song on right now. (laughs) I don't know what. I don't know what the most common thing I'd hear is right now. Uh, hmm. Depends on the genre. Like where I live, there is a lot of like, there's a lot of stations all doing the, um, like the eighties and nineties mix with some two thousands mixed in. So you get a lot of, like you can literally go from one station to the next and hear the same song because they all have like the same dumbed down, like, yeah, it's it's actually terrible. But if you go into Same. like the like the classic rock stations now, they're starting to get into like that '90s era, so that you can get your Pearl Jams and Nirvana and stuff there. <laughs> and Metamucil. Yes. <laughs> All right. I, do, so. I still I actually do still enjoy whenever a Pearl Jam song comes on. Yeah, I still I I still mark for uh, Jeremy. You know, I never got that much into Pearl Jam, so... Uh, they're not my favorite, but there's, like, there's a certain, um... You get a certain, like... There's a certain, like, era that they feel like that not a lot of other bands give you. Yeah. I can... You know what? I can even buy on, uh... I, I, I could even buy on, um... Like, Eddie Vedder. I think... <laughs> I don't think Eddie Vedder's putting on a character. I think it's, and so, it's uh. No, uh, you know, for she's <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean as far as as far as bands go, like he, they they're actually one of the one of the better bands as far as making sure their fans can see them for an affordable rate because they tend to do tickets yeah. through their own thing and keep it to like a hundred dollars. That sounds more that sounds like an Eddie Vedder thing to do. I don't even know much about Eddie Vedder, but that, it sounds like an Eddie Vedder. That's one of the things that I say, like, you know, when you talk about a lot of those bands, like whether you like their politics or not, like I can at least say that I 
Pearl Jam seems to be the least hypocritical of a lot of those bands. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate guys that I appreciate guys that seem to keep the fans first, which they seem to do. Yeah. Instead of well, being and- like instead of being against like say Rage Against the Machine that wants three hundred dollars to see them in concert. <laughs> The um, thing that uh, I was going to, the other thing I was going to say is other than Eddie Vedder being the obsession for an ex-girlfriend of Weird Al, um, is how impressed I am that not only did Pearl Jam dig up an old 50s heartbreak song when they did Aware, Aware, My Baby Be, but doing it way better. Like you actually hear Eddie Vedder being sad listening to that well i mean that also uh, happened as to, opposed to the original one that also happened to um nine inch nails when johnny cash stole their stole their song and pretty much had his way with it right in front of them and trent Reznor's like yeah that's better that's right, way yeah, better have you have you have you read the story like when johnny cash wanted to do that and he was like i don't know that could be a little hokey that you listen to he's like that's not my song anymore yeah yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is he's just he's just like, well, well that uh, that's fun. it. Yeah, that's it. So, anyway, uh, the Johnny Cash version of that is far better, by the way. Yeah, and I will fight anyone that says otherwise because you're wrong. So, um, if what you guys happened? may have guessed, <laughs> uh, can I add one thing? Just one yeah. uh, funny uh, like anecdote about Trent Reznor. Uh, first off, Trent Reznor has had like a, he just had like a fifth kid. He didn't start having kids until he's like in his fifties. But wow, um, who's Trent Reznor now? He's like fifty-five. Wow, got it. I my wife and I saw him like four years ago because that like that whole um America first whatever like the America concert they do on on it's Labor Day weekend in Philadelphia that Jay Z always throws. Yeah, they are at Nine Inch Nails headlined, and I had always wanted to see them. Never saw them growing up. Um, so I wanted to see them. They were absolutely amazing. Um, anyway, I digress, but uh, <laughs> not that long ago, a few weeks ago, remember uh, Old Town Road? The Old Town Road won like a Grammy, mm-hmm. and Trent Reznor got a Grammy for that song because that song samples a Nine Inch Nails song, just like <laughs> briefly. But because they sampled the song, he had to get like a writing credit. So when that won a Grammy, <laughs> he got a Grammy <laughs> for that song. And he actually showed up. I think he showed up to like one of these awards things and he had like a, like a, almost like a cowboy outfit on. It was fantastic. That's okay. That's pretty funny. Just owning it like that. Yeah, that is funny. All right, so as you guys may have guessed, uh, this is not one of the typical episodes. We'll do our shout outs real quick. Affiliate with CollarAndElbow.com, CollarAndElbowBrand.com. It's not CollarAndElbow.com, it's CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast. Save 10% off your order. And the other one, Matt? Uh, that's a shout What Shoutouts? Yeah. Sorry, I, was, sorry, I got distracted. Shoutouts to uh, Epico Cologne. Uh, he has not won a Grammy uh, that I know of, <laughs> but hopefully in the future, maybe for like a spoken word album. He is. He holds the original championship of the universe. Yes. 
The original one. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, we're like I said, of, we're just as... full of piss and vinegar today, aren't we? Yeah, it's a, it's a tangent thing, isn't it? Which fits in pretty well, Brad, because what is this episode? A bag of holding. Bag of holding. Which All sadly, right. I need to fill the bag of holding with new goodies because I'm about out. Oh, man. I know. I we can't have new, this happen. I try and put new ideas in there when I think of them, but I guess I've been a little lax lately. Okay. We've been busy watching stuff. We've watched a lot of footage the last couple months, I've noticed. That's true. We really have. What's the first thing to come out of the bra- bag here, Brad? Okay, so our first... Our first question is... A wrestler you feel is unfairly maligned. Hmm. I'm gonna need to think on this for a second. When you got, how about once you guys go ahead? I'll say, uh, I'll say Hulk Hogan is a worker. People like to pretend like he sucks. He is not like an elite great worker, but he is a good worker. Okay. Like, if you look at his matches in, like, the mid-80s up until about 87 when he gets more formula, like, he has he has good matches with a wide variety of people. I think that's actually very fair. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we've talked about it on this podcast before. He's a much better worker than people do give him credit for. And he, he basically had a style for his matches and that he didn't really stray from unless he was in places like Japan right? where he knew he had to do more and he actually did more. So he was capable of it. He just never needed to. So he didn't. Um, But I mean, I guess, you know, he was able to have a career that effectively went 20 something years or so in ring. So, and he, he actually, if you really think about the crazy thing about Hulk Hogan is one guy in his lifetime might usher in a boom era for wrestling, and Hulk Hogan ushered in two boom eras. That's true. And he did it as a face and a heel. Like, he got he got to do two kind of, like, <laughs> once-in-a-lifetime runs. He got to do it twice, and he did it once as a face and once as a heel. The funny thing about Hogan, um, I listened to the Hogan's appearance on Austin's podcast a while back. Hogan says, I really should have used a different finisher. Because he he destroyed his butt. He didn't even mention that he destroyed his spine. He was like, if I'm going to cut promos about having the largest arms in the world, why am I not using a sleeper hold? Yeah, like a bear hug, something like that. I don't know. When he was younger, though, he he, got some air on that. He got tremendous air on that. And, like, he was selling himself as 300 pounds. Like, you don't think, like, a 300-pound dude, like, jumping, like, as high as, like, the top turnbuckle and dropping all that weight on you wouldn't, like, destroy you? I suspect that, that yeah, but the I suspect the idea of the, um, the damage it did to his spine played into that, uh, that particular <laughs> answer, you know? So... Yeah, because they... So, there's there's a show called The Masked Singer, and they have a guy that keeps dropping all these wrestling hints this year. 
And people keep guessing it's Hulk Hogan. I'm like, it's not Hulk Hogan. He can't move anymore. No. He he he. The best Hulk Hogan ever did musically was play bass. Yes, in his own um, his was was he really playing the guitar in his real American music video? If it was a guitar, I kind of doubt it. If it was a bass, I, I'm I'm willing to go with it. You know what's funny? If you if you can ever come across the the CD for that WWE, I don't remember what it's called now. It's not the Pile Driver album. It's the one before that that has right. Real American on it. He stole Sledgehammer. That. No, maybe it's is it pile. called Sledgehammer? Maybe it's Pile Driver. I think it is Pile Driver. So the funny thing about Real American is he stole that from Wyndham and Rotunda. <laughs> right, it was supposed to be someone else's uh, music. Yeah, and he stole it. Oh, and it was written and performed by Rick Derringer. Yep. Yep. A rock and roll hoochie coo. And he he also did um he also did the demolition music. I love that it's uh Here comes the axe. <laughs> Here comes the smash. That's a really underrated theme song we we talked about this on our theme song episode yeah. yeah we we absolutely did i also his his wcw ripoff of real american sucked but i laughed because chikara used it once because they used to do a creator wrestler thing like this is the early days and they they did yeah. they did a match once that was us ape which came, who came out to that music and then he wrestled moss cow which was a it was a cow wearing like a sickle and hammer Okay, that's stupid, and I love it. It was amazing. I love Moscow, and my my favorite gimmick of all time is still CP Monk, the straight edge chipmunk. Yeah. And Colt Cabana. I don't know. I, I'm still I'm still on the 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 train with Dragon Dragon because he was a huge dragon. And uh, Colt no um um CP Monk was Necro Butcher, and Eddie Kingston was Dragon Dragon. Okay. That's right. You mentioned it was Eddie Kingston did before. I, did I show you the video where um, Oleg the Usurper murdered Dragon Dragon? Yes, yes, and mm -hmm. my and some of my dreams died with it. And so. then there was Retail Dragon, who was always hilarious. Yeah, the Retail Dragon thing is one is I think my favorite variety of all the the Dragon name stuff. Mm -hmm. Like Dragon Dragon, I love as a whole gimmick. But the name Retail Dragon by itself cracks me the hell up. Yeah. In my head, there is a picture of like Loki being all pissed off that someone else is using dragon names. And he beats him up and takes the Walmart vest and gets on the mic and goes, I'm the Retail Dragon now. And it just cracks me up and makes me happy. Clean up in aisle five. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Oh man, that that makes me think of Threat Level Midnight now. Um, I just was watching a compilation while we were talking of uh, of Hulk Hogan dropping leg drops. The one it looked like from from actually WrestleMania Five when he beat Savage, he gets crazy air on that. He must go like five six feet up in the air. Ah, you know, I'd have second thoughts about using that as a finish too. Good lord! Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a sneaky underrated great match was that Hogan Savage match from WrestleMania five. Mm -hmm. We did that on the show. I really I really dig that match. I'm sitting here trying to think about 
people that I would say are maligned unfairly. And it's I'm I'm in this place where it's hard for me to put a finger on I guess who exactly is is maligned in this way and then who I think it's unfair to do that to. I'd say Goldberg gets it too and he really doesn't deserve it. He doesn't. No. It, Goldberg was kind of kind of like the uh the concert connection we talked about a while back. People are there to see Goldberg hit the spear and the jackhammer. That's what they're there to see. They don't they don't care about Goldberg having a uh you know, having a 20-minute scientific match with anybody. They're there to see Spear and Jackhammer. Well, and, like, I think there's people that like to pretend like he wasn't that over. Like, I was in the building more than once when he was, like, at his apex, and it was it was insane. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, there were there were reports of the chants being piped in, but uh, I don't know, man. That's, like, maybe that happened some but I ain't necessarily buying that that it, that was always the case. Yeah. I feel like I've got one. Okay. Um. Jeff Jarrett. Oh, that's a really good one. Because he, um, first off, he's a much better worker than people give him credit for, and I think people kind of there are a lot of people who just never were into Jeff Jarrett. Uh, and I think I think he I, yeah, gets second, on the line so much because his offense isn't flashy. That's what always has been my. Yeah, and I think I think people have issues with the fact that he that he was pushed, or at times he himself pushed himself to like the main event. A lot of people think he was just you know a perennial mid card, or he shouldn't have been pushed to main event level, but uh, I think I kind of disagree. I mean, it definitely like in TNA, there were points where he was in the main event that he definitely held his own. And I kind of didn't mind it when he was uh, in like the last last year or two of, of WCW when he was kind of like a main event level as far as like a heel. Like, I thought that was fine. I mean, if you think uh, about it though, his, his TNA run on top wasn't that long. When he finally mm-hmm. like lost that title to sting he really did go away and like not he never hit that top level again but when you think about it especially the way the wwe had acted at that point like there's a reason impact has made it so long and part of it was he kept the title on himself because they couldn't poach their champion that's a fair point um it's yeah that and i mean that would be a huge concern because how easy would it be to do that? I mean, heck, we saw WCW do that with Mike Awesome. It's actually crazy, too. Like, if you go back and watch him in, like, 87 or 88, and you watch it, like, go f- see if you can find, like, a match of his from 87 and 88. Th- like, watch him wrestle, and then realize he's only been doing it for, like, a year or two at that point, and you'll be blown away. Mm-hmm. I am working on my I'm trying to think of people that God, you've really got me stumped on this. I think Jeff Jarrett might be the quintessential answer to this. It's not like yeah, I, I was never of the opinion that Jarrett couldn't work. I was of the opinion that Jarrett was not interesting to watch. Because it's like, okay, what what in the 
Yeah, you know, he wanders around, he calls people slap nuts, which, what exactly does that mean? And I'm like, ah, you know, oh, he's going to hit somebody with a guitar. Oh, no. Um, It wasn't engaging for me. It's not that I didn't think he could work. I knew he could work, but I just didn't really particularly want to see him. I mean, that's fair. Uh, I I think people, though, there's a lot of vitriol towards him that... Yeah, that's really, true. When you when you consider like his quality of work, like he really doesn't deserve that because there are people that will trash him and then turn around and defend Baron Corbin and you know, really like if you're gonna do that, like you're just you're not even being like You're, you're being, not being honest. Yeah. Um God. If I'm gonna pick somebody Uh, that, that was the argument they couldn't work. <sighs> Lord. Because I'm sitting here and I've either I've either forgotten them or I'm like, ah, I didn't think they it were that bad be, and just kind of... It could even be someone that's unfairly, like, branded as boring. <sighs> well, okay, the first thing that comes to... That, that would come to mind that I'll put out here is how much people dumped on uh, Danny Doring when that was the point of the gimmick. It's like that's that's the joke. He did he did boring stuff in the ring to piss people off. And then his name was Danny Doring, so when they chanted boring, he could act like they were chanting his name. Yeah, you hate that, right? You don't like it. You don't want to see it. You know why? Because that's exactly what it's supposed to do. It's like it's a it's a massive exercise for some people in missing the point. But uh, okay, all right, all right. Here's here's um, here. I'll give you I'll give you a, a package deal of four guys that I saw that were in a. Uh, that were in a feud together that got more crap than I thought they deserved. The Boogie Knights, Disco Inferno and Alex Wright, I thought were perfectly serviceable. You know, Disco is a, a good team. answer to this, uh, but keep going. And the other is Chronic, Brian Adams and Brian Clark. I never liked Brian Adams. Even his crush, I hated him. I didn't get introduced to uh, well, out of the four. Brian Adams is the one that I would probably give the least uh, leeway to. I'm but, kind of shocked Brian Clark never got like a big run somewhere because he had a look. Oh yeah, he mm-hmm. had a great look, but he, for the longest time it didn't go anywhere. Nobody did anything with it. Well, they, they, they had him over in WCW, and then they fed him to Nash. Well, he did the Wrath thing before that. And he got, which, they got him over when they, were, when they just were feeding him people all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it, if you do that to about anybody, it'll work. But then, yeah, Nash fed himself, because that was when Nash had the book. He fed himself Brian Clark. Um in order to, you know, he's like, oh, no, I'm the street breaker. And it's like, you did not have to do that. 
no. to to Wrath in order to build to facing Goldberg. That's stupid. Um, I always I liked you know Clark's. I thought Clark was really dynamic and interesting to watch. Yeah, he was big. He didn't need to come off the top, but on the other hand, he didn't do it all that much. And it was, you know, his meltdown finisher was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I would say those four guys get more, probably get more hate um, than the than they really they really should have. I um, uh, I think Disco Inferno, like, especially like when Thunder started, and he was kind of like you'd always get like a a decently long disco inferno match. I think weekend and week out there for like a couple years, he was like a consistently entertaining match. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He still does wrestling today. He's in TN. He's in impact again. Oh, really? Yeah. They've been I, using I, him and Johnny Swinger. Johnny Swinger. Yeah. Come back. Um, I, this is a really weird anecdote, but last um, last May before Double or Nothing, mm-hmm. uh, it, this was a show that uh, Ed in Ed in San Antonio from Observer fame put together. Uh, it was Disco Inferno versus Alley Cat. Oh yeah, I remember Indy that. Indy Darling Alley Cat and and the basically the entire focus of the match was that Alley Cat was trying to get Disco to pet her stomach. <laughs> And okay. that was the, that was that was kind of like where the match went, but it was oddly entertaining. The strike, I think, that Disco has against him, and in this case, I'll say rightfully so, is Disco would start talking about booking ideas in the same vein that Russo would of, oh, no one's ever done it before, and it's like, you idiot! There is a reason nobody has ever done that before. There's a reason nobody should do that, but you're going to sit here and espouse it like, you know, you're the next Paul Heyman or, um, you know, Bill Watts about how great an idea it would be. And it's like, that's, that's dumb and you should feel bad for suggesting it. Like the, the invisible man thing was funny with Janela's spring break stuff, but he was wanting to put that in like a main event spot on Nitro or Thunder. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? Yeah, Disco's been there since November. He's been back with Impact. The other thing that Disco could not keep a finisher. He kept changing his finisher. No, he kept the chart buster for a long time. But it kept... That was like the, the, the last one, I think. Because it before you got to the chart buster, it was the swing in neck breaker to a pile driver to um, something else I can't remember. Back to the swing in neck breaker. Well, the, the the chart buster is when he like actually they stopped treating him like a complete joke. Before that, like from like ninety five into ninety seven, he was a joke. Well, yeah, like he was. A, he was. They had a match once where he pulled out like a schematic to try and put a leg lock on someone. Right. It, it was a comedy gimmick, and that's that's fine. But 
I don't know that that it was that was always kind of frustrating for me. Is it's like you know can how am I supposed to buy how good you are if you won't stick with just one finish? Like, can you really be that good if you don't have like your 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 primary weapon nailed down? I guess. Yeah, that's fair. So is there anyone? So, but anyone else? Uh, anyone wants to pull into this conversation before we move on to the next question? Hector Garza. Was it? Yeah, Hector Garza. The Luchador. Good. Yeah. There you go. That's that, that's what I got of of what I in my head kind of referred to as uh, the B tier Luchadors. Hector Garza, I thought was the best of them. Yeah, I liked Hector Garza. He was, he had a cool like. I don't remember him very well now. I remember he had that twisting scent on. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And a corkscrew, corkscrew scent on. Sorry, but yeah, there you go. There, there's a weird pick for you. Okay, next question. Let's see, what is your favorite animal at the zoo? <laughs> okay. I thought you guys go first. Favorite. I guess this well, is highly wife... dependent on on your zoo and what animals you have. I have to say, if you can actually see them, the red pandas are cool. My wife loves polar bears, they, and they're if, if they're because... awake, if they're awake, right? Ours are usually awake. Okay. And we have we've had cubs for most of the last bit, so they're usually out like running around. Yeah. And hopping in the water and stuff. If I'm gonna pick just one, I think I'm probably gonna have to go with the elephants because you get this the sheer scope of their size is really uh, it's just really staggering. You, you know, you're, I don't know, you're, you're 10, 10, 20 yards away from them. And the size of these things lumbering around, doing mundane stuff, you know, just eating and things like that. But there's just the, the, the impression of raw strength is really, uh, it, it, it makes an impression. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and then I would go, because they're newer at the Columbus Zoo, but the giraffes are something I always enjoy. <coughs> the zoo I've been to the most is in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, we go and, to the Cincinnati uh, one sometimes. The, uh, the big cats are always nice, but there are a lot of times when they're just lazing around and not doing anything. So it's it's not as much fun to see them. We were going we were going to the Cincinnati Zoo a couple times when um, Fiona was still little. Okay, you might want to give a little background for Fiona's a baby hippo at the the Cincinnati Zoo that was kind of a she's kind of a media sensation about two years ago. Uh huh. I, I remember it. I was just saying it for for some of our milk yeah, listeners. Yeah, so she was, she was a media sensation. At least around Ohio and some of the surrounding areas, probably it's probably been three years now. 
But mm-hmm. um, they did like a book about her. There was like there's a lot of videos of her and stuff. She's an adorable little hippo. Isn't she like really playful? Yeah, she is. Matt, have you got your sorted yet? Um, I do. Uh, so this is um, they're not in every zoo, fortunately. The DC Zoo uh, has them. Um, mm-hmm. I could say panda bears because we actually do have them here in the DC Zoo. Oh, you have panda mm-hmm. bears? We have panda bears. Um, uh, unfortunately, there's some sort of deal worked out with China because China, I guess I should be careful with it. I don't want to get us canceled. <laughs> <laughs> but the Chinese government has this thing where it's like any any bear that exists in the in the DC Zoo any panda bear uh, is considered property, including any bears that are born here. Cause uh, there was a, a, pol- a panda bear that was born here. Um, his name is Taishan. And when he was like two, I think when he reached yeah. a certain age, they, uh, they required that he was sent back to China as part of their like um, breeding program to, for conservation status. Yeah. Um, but my choice, we don't take kindly to your types in here. Yeah. Sorry, I did. That's the first thing I think when I hear panda bears. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, but uh, my, my choice actually is not panda bears. It's um, red pandas. I mentioned red pandas. They're awesome. They are awesome. They are absolutely adorable. They basically look like uh, more interesting, colorful raccoons. Yeah, that's uh, that's what they look like. And they're super playful. Um, and they one of our friends, lot. yeah, one of our friends, um, Jervis Gervais <laughs> from Britain, that's his favorite animal. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I yes. remember him talking about that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're interesting if you have them at your zoo because they usually have little air-conditioned huts that they hang out in. I think they need like a temperate climate. I, I I think they're great just because they're so ridiculous sometimes. Well, sure, ridiculous is fun. Um, as for giraffes, have you ever seen a giraffe like up close? Yeah, because you can it um at the Columbus Zoo, and I think you can at Cincinnati too. You can feed them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and they they pretty much slime you if you feed them. Yeah. So there is an animal sanctuary that's kind of just outside of LA. And a couple years back, my um, my sister in law, it was like uh, I think actually it was probably the previous year, like but almost two years ago now. She wanted to go there for her birthday, so we all went. And there is a section where you can meet a giraffe. It's actually a, it's the giraffe from Hangover Three. Okay. Well, that's um, uh, interesting. Yeah, he. It was actually the draft used for that movie, um, and he just is kind of there. Like he's, he has a little field that he can run in. They have like a ball for him that he sometimes kicks around like a soccer ball. They are giant animals. Oh, they're huge. And they're scary. They're huge. They're scary only because they're so big. I mean, they're not really like violent. It's just that they are the oddest looking thing. They literally look like. I would imagine like a dinosaur would look like if they are, if dinosaurs were obviously mammals and not reptiles, but they're just bizarre. And we were, we were actually able to feed him. 
Um, and he was actually gentle. Like you, they just tug you, you could literally. Yeah, you could literally like I. I actually did this after um after my brother in law did it, but you basically put like a big thing of like Swiss chard or something in my mouth, <laughs> and and he just reached over and just like took it out of your mouth. Hmm. It's just bizarre. I have actually have a picture of it somewhere. I'll try and send it to you guys. See, okay. They give you like lettuce, and they just like they just are like hand it over, and then they just like stick their they just grab it with their their tongue. Mm-hmm. And pull it in their mouth. That's kind of what feeding them here is like. Well, they're yeah. You've got to have them be socialized to it properly, so you know they they're they're used to people screeching. Uh, you know, whenever they get whenever they get slimed, but okay. Wow, I I, I haven't gotten to see giraffes. Up close. I think they have them at Cincinnati now. Okay. Well, we keep talking about taking a trip up there. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to take that that one trip in April that some of us have talked about. But I might be able to get up to Cincinnati at some point in the not super distant future. We usually get a pass to the Columbus Zoo because pretty much you get the pass. The pass is like $70 for a year. Uh-huh. Which, you know, if you go with parking and everything, that's like two trips now. But the nice yeah. thing about the nice thing about if you get the pass at the Columbus Zoo, there's a bunch of like reciprocal zoos, so we can go to Cincinnati for half price. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. Oh right. Okay. Well next what else is in the bag? Let's see. Next up in the bag of holding. Let's see what we have here. Favorite radio personality. So, Shad, why don't you go first? Because this is going to oh, evolve into this. Yeah, <laughs> basically, what's going to happen here is I'm going to give my super basic pick, and then you guys are going to just like pick up and run with this for I don't know the next couple of hours, and uh, I'm going to go do my taxes. So, uh, if I'm going to pick one, um, I guess I would, uh, I would, uh, this is going to get me skewered by the, the fans of the other, like I said, it's going to be a super basic pick, but I'd probably end up with going with either, um, Josh Arnold or Chick McGee because that's the large-scale radio program that I have around here that I, I listen to. There's not a whole lot that broadcast here, but, you know, they're, I, I enjoy both of them. Um, Chick is, is very good at the, like, man-on-the-edge-of-sanity kind of bit, and then uh, where Josh is a professional comedian, he's very quick with a quip, and I enjoy that. Uh, are these guys like your standard like morning show type guys? Are they like hosts? They're like- on. They're on Bob and Tom. Uh, okay, okay. So that's why I called it super basic. It, it's not. Uh, you know, if, if we're talking about a show, I tried numerous times to listen to, and I could never, I could never get into it. It was Bob and Tom. Well, that's because you spend most of the show listening to them desperately laugh. wanting, desperately wanting to strangle uh, Tom Griswold. Uh, 
is what it is. I mean, I enjoy that because I, I feel good laughing along with them. And but that's just me. But for you know, uh, it, it, it's it. I understand that's that's not what some people want. But in the morning, I'm not looking for. You know, it's a morning show, so therefore I'm not looking for. I'm looking for not. Um, I'm going to say hokey, even though some people might say that show is hokey. But I'm looking for, you know, not super basic. It's like, oh, would you like a new knock knock joke kind of thing? You know, that sort of stuff. But you know, it's it's not super complicated, but it's it's just clever and enjoyable enough for me to be able to sit back and listen to while I'm on the way to work or something. Yeah, I understand that. I think um I think especially like what Matt and I are gonna get into, there's probably a level of um fandom that the average person does not have. Yeah, so uh how about you guys uh you shoot me a message when you wind down on Well it. let's before we go into, I, before we go into that, I I wanna give a special shout out to someone <laughs> who I enjoyed who we've touched around topics that would have appeared on this show, but I remember the first time being up late and hearing my first episode of Coast to Coast with Art Bell. Ah, yes. And that that show will always have a special place in my heart. It was never something I listened to every day, but I miss those days of radio where, like, you could just come across some weird show on some, like, random channel. Mm. But now we're going to bore Shad to tears because we're going to talk about... I think Matt and I are going to have pretty similar answers here. Probably. So um, I'm going to go before Matt and then we will, we will, we will probably, and I, I'm just going to list mine then Matt, then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. But I would say probably my, my top three, even though I haven't listened to a show for a long time and I feel like his show has sucked a long time. I think Howard Stern like really shaped my love of radio with his show. Mm-hmm. Um, then we're going to go into Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, which would be my probably all time favorite radio shows. So then let's, uh, let's yeah. go to Matt. Uh, yeah, I would agree with, I would actually agree with all those. I think, I mean, Howard Stern is probably like the, he's arguably the most successful radio personality uh, I, of, I, of all time. I would say, it would be it would be um it'd be neck and neck with him and Rush, but I don't know who would come out on top there. Oh yeah, I I got it. I hadn't even thought about like political talk radio. Yeah, because I think I think yeah, Rush, you're probably right. I think I think Howard might have finally topped him on money, but I know Rush was like there was a while where he was huge. Yeah, um, but yeah, like. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, just the phrasing on that. <laughs> oh well, yes. Um, there was a time in the '90s where he was, yes, indeed, huge. Um, so girthy. Yeah, I would go with all of those. I think, I think I agree with all of them. I, Howard, like in his prime, was great. Um, Howard, for me, really lo- like the show was never the same after Jackie left. That's really where I think the end of my fandom of the show started. That's true. Um, he. When did um when did Private Parts come out? Like ninety seven. Okay, like he um yeah ninety seven. So it started the decline. I feel then, 
And definitely by the time Jackie left, like he, it was just, it was bad. He, j- it basically just became him talking about Nobu. Yeah, talking about him, him like being uh, hobnobbing with celebrities and how great he was and how he invented it. I invented everything, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it was just, it wasn't any good. Um, I think and that kind of. I think mm-hmm. so. So where I was at, um, there was a time for about a year where we got him and Opie and Anthony. They were on different channels, but I'd listen to Howard in the morning and then I could catch ONA mm-hmm. in the afternoon. And I think yes. the end of, the end for me with Howard was there came like a point somewhere in that year where I realized I liked Opie and Anthony's show better. Yeah. Because it yeah, felt, what, felt like they put more it, effort into their show. They did. Um, and it, that's kind of like right when he was really seriously declining is when they were kind of catching a lot of heat. Um, so, yeah, I would say I actually overall pound for pound. Well, Howard was bigger. I probably liked Opie and Anthony more yeah. for the years that they were in existence. Um, I wanted to when you said like favorite radio personality, I wanted to give a joking response and be like, Paul Haggis, Uncle Paul. <laughs> but too, too few people would get that. And I don't want to really go into the impression because <laughs> that would terrify. That would terrify Shad. Yes. Now, I will say um, I will say like. Uh, it took me it took me a long time to really get the show but it, it like at this point I feel like pound for pound like in in hindsight of like having like the body of their work I feel like pound mm-hmm. for pound Ron and Fez is the best radio show of all time it's um in terms of like the the inner narrative or continuity of the show it it was great it absolutely was great, but you, it's like that's I don't know how to. It's pro wrestling. It's pro wrestling over the air because the thing you have to realize if you're going to listen to Ron and Fez is the 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 line between fact and fiction on that show is very very blurred. Ron and F- it Ron, is yeah. Ron especially does not share much of his real life on the show, and Fez mm-hmm. does, but Fez's is also. Fez is also like part gimmick until he loses his mi- loses his mind. Mm-hmm. And really, like and, the people and that, legit loses his mind. Yeah. And and like the people, like where where what Ron and Fez really do is they 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 pretty much just traffic control a bunch of crazy people that gravitate <laughs> towards the show. Yeah. But that's that's I think where they really shine that you have to get used to is. In a lot of ways, they're actually a lot meaner than ONAR because what they do is they let these people like just talk and tell their stories, and then they kind of just like snip at them. Like I was listening to a show recently where someone sent like their music in, and they were in there with Eddie Trunk, and they were just mm-hmm. listening to it by lyric by lyric, and they were just picking his show his song apart for like twenty minutes. And I mean, they were mm-hmm. just viciously trashing it, and then Ron would be like, "Oh, I, I love this song. Let's listen to more of it." <laughs> for those who aren't familiar with Ron and Fez, we've mentioned them before. Um, it started off in in Florida. Is the Ron and Ron show? As a, yeah, Ron and Ron is Ron Bennington and Ron Diaz. Um, Ron Bennington is he's a. I mean, he started off as like a stand up comedian. Now he's more of like a radio show host and uh, 
almost does like he he essentially is like the uh, who's the guy who did inside the actor studio oh i don't remember his name that, the host of that guy like ron is basically james done lipton that. james lipton ron has basically kind of also become that type of person for comedians and for uh comedic actors like unmet he's he has a, he's had a show called unmasked yeah and he's actually like unironically he's an absolutely tremendous like interviewer yeah uh but he they did the ron and ron show in 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 florida yeah it's florida clearwater florida for like years and years and years and i like they sent like howard came into that market and they sent howard packing that's like how big they were yeah and fez 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 watley was his producer and like a side character, and then um, Ron Diaz uh, quit the show. Basically, I think his wife had cancer, and he he left. Uh, his wife had AIDS. Oh yeah, that's right, AIDS, AIDS. Yeah. Yeah, and then he basically left the show to to care for her. Um, and then so Ron and Fez started doing the show together. Well, I think the show actually it, went away for a while, and then they came back as Ron and Fez. Okay. And then they were in Florida uh, like a really short time, and then they got recruited to New York and New York. D.C. Mm-hmm. They started off in New York, um, and that was syndicated along with along with Hopi and Anthony to Washington, D.C., and probably like a few other places. Um, and then they also made the move to satellite radio like along with Hopi and Anthony because the two shows were very friendly with each other. Yeah. Um, and then when Hopi and Anthony... Um, well, I forget exactly how the sequence went, but when opening, I think kind of went deliberately just straight to XM before they kind of, when they dropped off like regular, regular radio, that that was probably like, I think that probably coincided when they got kicked off for sex for Sam. It was about a two year gap. Yeah, so they were off the air for like a couple of years and then they resur- opening at the resurfaced on satellite radio. And, then- and during that, during that time, uh, Ron and Fez, I, I, they, I think, was it a format change? I don't know. They somehow got kicked off of of New York, and they moved down to Washington, D.C., and yeah. they were actually here for a couple of years. Um, well, that, and the that, show was, was successful. But It was weird because there was a time where they were on only in D.C., but they were still in New York. Yeah, and then for a time, they actually were <laughs> local. They actually did move yeah. to D.C., and then, obviously, like that, for after a couple of years, they they made the transition to satellite radio, and they were back in New York. Because that's kind of DC's kind of where the downfall of Fez started. That's where, yeah, he started having like really bad mental problems. And this is like, this is actually legit. Like they they they. This is where like what Brad was saying. We're at the lines between reality and and kind of bit or fantasy got blurred because uh, they they incorporated a lot of jokes about fez's mental health into the show but fez legit for like a 10-year period was slowly going crazy yeah and it's it's a weird so so fez's like character for a long time was that he was like was he supposed to be like a closeted homosexual or was he just like supposed to be like a gay character it started off as kind of like on like uh ambiguously gay to then you know, a, a increasingly flamboyant, but still closeted. Yeah. 
it was talk about my girlfriend in Niagara Falls, yeah. Canada. But see, that was supp- uh, <laughs> but that was supposed to you were supposed to know that that was that was crap. Yeah, it's all a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he just eventually just came out as like, no, I actually really am a a gay man. Yeah. Uh, but that, but that, but at the same time, like that wasn't just bit. Like that was that was the real person, uh, Fez. <laughs> Fez Wiley coming out of the closet. Yeah, and and he also like I think what what really so it, it was it was weird though because so they came to satellite radio and like two months into that he had like a heart attack and that's kind of like I think where it really he went. had several he had several like heart issues he had multiple stents over um over the years uh, multiple heart attacks too and that just destroyed his like mental health yeah like legit like he. There, it actually did get sad because towards the end of his participation in the show, like the last, I mean, of this course, like two years, two, the three years, year, I think. The last two years were really bad. Yeah. There was times where they would be doing the show and Fez would like say something and then literally go silent for like an hour or two. Yeah. And he, like Ron would do the show and uh, there were times where he would legit get like a legit, like legit, like not, it's not a bit, it's not fake, it's for real, would just get frustrated and like, Almost like bitch out Fez because Fez would literally be like in the corner crying. Yeah, there, he would have, be having like, he would be having mental breakdowns on the show because it like there's it, it it had been I'd say that had been an issue for about the last six years of the show was his mental state. <laughs> but there was there was there was up to a point like he could still he still played along with bits and stuff. He probably didn't talk enough, mm-hmm. but it still felt like he was contributing. Mm-hmm. But man, like. But there, there was some great stuff that came out of out of his last days, like the K-Corn incident. I don't remember that. There was a time I kind of started uh, towards like the, the end. I actually started not listening to the, the was, show. I kind of got. I actually got rid of uh, satellite radio, so I didn't hear a lot of that he, stuff. Um, he, um, he was talking about something. And he said they should shut their K-Corn, <laughs> and um, they called him out on that, and he was like. He he was refusing to see that he messed up, mm-hmm. but it, that one was great. They had that like trending on Twitter that day. But yeah, that's kind of the set. Was it a was it a comedy pyramid? Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> they did that bit for a while. Yeah, that was that was kind of like their whole show in New York was like they would do a topic, and. Um, Cause that was kind of the whole Ron and Fez bit on terrestrial was like, they'd be like, Oh, we're just like taking nice comments about this. And then the callers would call in and like be mean about it. And Ron would be like, no, no, like we're not doing that today. We're being nice. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then the joke is, you know, of course they're screening all this stuff and putting them on the air, even though they're pretending to be annoyed that people won't be nice. Yeah. But um, yeah, but like, the, the show is great. Like there's storylines that play out like f- over the years, like just the, the people that like float around in that universe or even like some of the side stuff they do, like the big ass night of fights. Mm-hmm. And just like, just like the, the way they kind of manipulate people into talking about how awful their lives are. Like just listening to Billy Staples and his like stupidity or, you know, East side Dave and his, Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eastside Dave for Shad, it was a huge wrestling fan. Okay. Uh, at one point, he um, 
I forget exactly the bit, but there was some sort of bit that he did where he was in a contest with someone and it was like a loser leaves the show mm-hmm. and and Dave lost. And then literally like a day or two later, uh, a new character appeared, the Midnight Rider. <laughs> 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 and it was uh, it was definitely not Dave <laughs> in a mask speaking with a the throat accent, the Midnight Rider. I, I worked on a show, this, this God's honest truth, I worked on a show with a guy who did it, did the gimmick, the Midnight Rider, and he was built kind of like Dusty, but not as athletic, and some of the top heels were supposed to back down on him, and I'm just like, <sighs> okay, this is this is what we're doing tonight. Okay. There's my tie-in. That's what I got. <laughs> well, actually, this show this show has a lot of tie-ins to wrestling, like Fez Watley, and even the way he talks, like he's modeled after Pistol Pez Watley. Okay. Like the way he talks and his name. And there's like, they, they did this segment, which is one of my favorites, where they were talking about something and Ron got upset. So they play like the Stone Cold music as he's leaving. And Fez <laughs> is like, you don't have to flick me off while you're leaving. And then he keeps talking. He comes back, and the music's playing. He's like, "What's that?" He's like, "He's like, oh, you're like stomping a mud hole in me." Okay. It's, the, it's like the Stone Cold music's playing the whole time. Like, it, there's a lot oh, yeah. of wrestling stuff in there. They did like an Andre the Giant impression, and um, just a yeah, bunch. Of... We've we've definitely mentioned that to Shad before. That's um, yeah, that's the bit that they did where where Fez would be Andre, and uh, he would play up the whole like. The angle that they did where Andre was afraid of Jake the Snake's snake, Damien. Okay. Because Ron would just, it would be it, like a, a sequence of gags involving words that sounded like snake, and they would say oh, snake. Oh, yeah, you did mention yeah. that. It's like, hey, Andre, here, it's your birthday. We got you uh, a nice uh, birthday snake. Snake! No, no, birthday cake. Birthday cake. Birthday cake. Something like there's leaves in the yard. How about you go get the snake and take care of that? Snake! No, 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 no. I like rake, rake, rake. No, it's just a rake. Yeah, yeah. You, a, you mentioned that to me before. Fez would do a really good um, Ric Flair impression too. Oh yeah, the Nature Boy. <laughs> he, yeah, he would cut promos. <laughs> and he'd hit all of, like the flairisms in there. Yeah. But he was like Fez grew up and was like, you know, I think in the 70s and was a big fan of like Florida wrestling. So mm-hmm. you definitely can tell uh you can de- you can definitely tell when you listen to the show and like I said the the show has its own like kayfabe and all of that stuff. Right. It's uh you can always tell whenever the wrestling bubbles through because it it when uh, I think John Oliver said, when it's good, it's there's nothing like it. But when it's bad, there's nothing like it. Um, and I, I think that's really true. And so, therefore, people get really excited to incorporate it into you know stuff that they're doing for that reason. Is you know they got they had so much fun with it at some point that they wanted to to bring it back and and use it again. 
So, yep, I, I knew this was going to turn into Matt and I talking about Ron and Fez, because I think, I, I don't know. You knew that when you put well, it in the bag. Yeah. Because, yeah. like I said, like, I, it took me, it took me a long time to warm up to Ron and Fez, but I think I've, I think I've come to love them more than ONA, which were my favorites for a really long time. I think the problem is that ONA um, went through, like, several different iterations. Yeah. And then they fractured, and the subsequent iterations were not as good. And they they've really done a lot. They've all they've each all done their part to crap all over the legacy of the show. Where Ron and Fez did a better job of protecting the brand. Yeah, I think Anthony's probably done the most damage with his stupidity. Um. So yeah. Uh, he's better when he's on other things. Yeah, but I'm talking about like you know the the racism and the the stomping. Yeah. Uh, no. uh, you know, whatever her name was. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, he he's not done so well <laughs> in the aftermath. But I also think like where 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 I've grown to appreciate them though is Opie and Anthony's really hit and miss. Like they can have some really like they can have some really shitty shows where like there's nothing good on there. And to use a baseball analogy, like, O&A are, like, that kind of um, feast or famine home run hitter where Ron and Fez just kind of ground out those singles and doubles every show. I understand you. I, I'm, I'm with you on the, uh, on the metaphor. Yeah. There's just a more consistent nature to it. Like, it might not hit the highs of Opie and Anthony. I mean, it can, but they, they're always, their show's always, like, consistently entertaining right okay okay so next What's, what else is in the bag okay next up who is your favorite jobber oh favorite jobber there's there's a wealth of options here i have an easy one to go with on this one it is Hector Guerrero as Lasertron. <laughs> um, Just because it's ridiculous. And I'll, I'll go. I'll go a little more serious. I always have a soft spot for like Rocky King or the Italian Stallion. Oh man! The, the aforementioned Joey Mags. Oh yeah, jumping Joey. Yeah, I the Italian stallion was a, that's a good choice. Um, well, okay, mine is is uh, it, it's gonna be uh, I guess context specific because I know he did other stuff, but the truth of the matter is that uh, for the longest time, Brad Armstrong was just straight up used as a jobber, and. Um, it was interesting. Like I remember him coming out for a match with Goldberg, wearing a shirt that said "The Armstrong Curse," and I was like, "Well, that ain't getting broken tonight." Um, but he was, even though he he was a jobber, it was always one of those things where I wanted to see him win. I, I wanted to see that happen for him. He had some sweet but. music too. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to do something if that's if that's what you're going to do, the poor guy. But uh, yeah, that was uh, there. 
it took me a minute to come around on him, but it finally dredged him up from the the uh, dark recesses of my addled brain. <laughs> I'm trying to think of some other guys that would um, fit that because there's such a wealth of choices. Ooh, the Malkies. Malky mania. <laughs> where does um, where does the Brooklyn Brawler fall in? I don't particularly uh, I would care say, for him. Okay. Really, I would say he would be pretty high on the list. For longevity, yeah, I'd, I'd give him, I'd give him that. Uh, I am. Uh, I have my pick. I'm not going to go the gambler, even though I I have a, a great amount of affection for the gambler. Um, I'm going to go with old Iron Mike Sharp. Oh, that's a good one. Canada's greatest athlete. Yep. And if you um, if you slightly like twisted his arm, <laughs> I feel like a huge, like loud, like, outrageously loud groan. <laughs> I feel like he's a cheat though because he had a nickname. And he had that cast on his arm. Like, I know he was a total jobber, but, like, he had gimmicks. Jobbers aren't supposed to have gimmicks. Mm-hmm. What was he doing? It, he, it, that, in fairness, you are correct. Like, that did make him stand out. Yeah. That's why Who people, was... That's why people, like, remember I'm him sorry. and, like, not Rusty Brooks. Yeah. Uh, who, who was the guy that had the... Um... Oh gosh, it's going to be tough to explain, but he had the bump where you'd shoot him off, you'd come back, the guy would kick his leg, and he would jump and like fly feet first through the ropes to the floor. Was he a big guy or little guy? Uh, not particularly big, as I remember. Like that bump got him hired to be a jobber in a bunch of different places. <laughs> Because it was so visually impressive. I'd have to think. That's not ringing any bells for me, but I mean, I might not have just seen him in a while. I'd like for, you know, all three of our listeners, if you can. <laughs> I'd like for our listeners, if you can think of it, please put it on our social media somewhere because I'm blanking on the guy's name. And I, I don't want to be. I, I want to give this guy credit, but I, I can't remember. Yeah, they, for can, the light. they can get a little. Um, they can get a little generic. Oh, I know one, because we just talked about him a while ago. Matt, how about one Mike Jackson? Oh, wow. Mike Jackson, yeah. And how about let's throw in an actual good worker in George South. Oh, yeah, we just talked about him last episode, getting his getting his skull caved in by butchery and and we're missing we're missing i think the most obvious one who was actually a really great worker in uh barry horowitz yeah oh yeah that's a really good point uh i think i I mentioned it definitely to you guys like offline like mike jackson is like 70 yeah yeah and and worked uh and worked a show for Joey Janela like a month ago, two months ago. Wow. What? And, and like they, <laughs> and like won the tag titles for like for Wombat. What? Um, yeah. Uh, but he was in <coughs> unreal shape. Like he's in better shape than I am and he's much, much, much older. He's decades older than me. 
I don't. So there was a there was a segment on Smoky Mountain Wrestling called Down and Dirty with Dutch Mantel. Yeah, and he had um he had Barry Horowitz on one of the early ones. And he's like, he's like, you know, Barry, I want to talk to you about your record. Your record in Smoky Mountain is like 0 and 84. I don't even know what it was. 0 and 84 or something like that. And Barry Horowitz gets this kind of like look on his face. Like, he's like, gee, I didn't know it was that bad. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, I almost said something and I was like, wait, no, I'm going to mix up the names. And I was, so I refrain, refrain myself. I always love, though, when you watch a show, though, and you see a guy doing jobs that, like, ends up actually being someone. Like, there's, like, the, the episode after that we watched of World Championship Wrestling has Gangrel doing a, doing a job as David Heath. Really? Or if you watch, like, those early Raws catching, like, Rhino doing a job or catching, like, the Hardy Boys doing a job. The illegal, yeah, I remember the illegally the Hardy boys. Right, that's why that stuck out to me. Is I remember the stories about them being underage but still still doing the work. Yeah, and and for some reason nobody put it together. <laughs> I think it was, or they knew but nobody said anything because they were trying to keep Pat Patterson away from them. <laughs> So yeah, that's, all right. There's a there's a wide world of jobbers, but I think we covered that pretty well. So, who? Uh, what else do you have in the bag? For our final bag of holding question for the night, I need to turn it the right way. Uh, what is the last video game you played? Uh, uh, the last one I played. Let me open up my Steam and see what recently played is. What did you play, Matt? Uh, I'm still working through um, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah, that's a hard game to put down once you get started. Yeah, and I'm going to be playing that for a while yet. Have you beaten any of the, have you beaten any of, like, the beasts yet? I have only beaten one. I've beaten the, um, the water one. Oh, yeah, the water one's fun. Yeah, um, that's the only one I've done. I could have done more, but I'm actually kind of going through and trying to get uh, as many um, soul orbs as possible from shrines. Because oh, yeah. I'm trying to get the uh, the master sword. I've already like found it. Yeah, because I, I um I um I get tired of my stuff breaking. Yeah. And um, so once I. Once I get enough orbs, I'm going to definitely do more beasts and then try to do all the shrines and then take on you, Calamity Ganon. You know what? Sh- you know what? Um, what always shocks me about that game is people complain about their weapons breaking and act like that's a big hindrance to the game. And it's like, to me, it's like, I'm usually swimming in weapons. Like, yeah, they break, but. I always have the max number of weapons, yeah. essentially. I, where I get sidetracked in that game is fighting the seeds. That's where I really get distracted. Yeah. Okay. Games that I've played that I've been playing recently. And I'm just going to give you a list because I can't remember which one I played recently. Um, you know, there's there's kind of the two, the two fallbacks right now because... Even after all these years, I do still play League of Legends. 
uh, in Dead by Daylight. Um, I have also been uh, played. What's the? I don't want to screw this up, but uh, uh, where is it? Uh, I've I recently got my hands on a copy of Grim Dawn, which is non-Blizzard Diablo three, basically. Oh yeah, that's a good game. Have you? <coughs> it's um, it's it's more the way it's set up is a lot like Titan Quest back in the day. I got nothing for you. Titan Quest is like Diablo that. three, except with like a, a like a Greek um, skin on it. But the uh, the too, other sorry. thing, the other thing that I have uh, that I have been playing is City of Heroes because someone got the code out there, and now there are revival servers that exist. So you, if you liked City of Heroes back in the day, hop on that Google, and you can find the City of Heroes Homecoming servers to uh, to play and and get your fix from the only MMO that I ever put all that much time into. Is that like a newer version, like the City of Villains era version of yes, that game? Yes, it is. It's not only the newest version of it, but it is actually what they did is they implemented some of the changes that the developers were going to put in the game that they never got around to before NCSoft shut them down. Okay. So you can play either side and play any archetype. Um, They also implemented a new archetype that's called the Sentinel which is a ranged offense character with a defensive secondary, as opposed to like the blaster, which is a ranged offense with an uh, utility secondary. So if you want a powered battle suit, you take a Sentinel. Um, they do not out damage or out tank anybody else, but they're great for soloing. And if you just want to have a guy who can go pew 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 and take a sh- take some hits, there you go. So, um, I haven't played that since, uh, well, I'm trying to think the last time I played that 2009, maybe is the last time I played city of heroes. Okay. When did they shut it down? When or why? When? Uh, God, I'm trying to remember. Um, was it like 2012 maybe? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was 2012. Yeah. Why did they shut uh, it down? Out of curiosity. They shut it down because the NCSoft was, uh, you know, it's a Korean company, and they were like, "Oh, well, this is like nobody in Korea played it. Nobody in Korea played City of Heroes. It was basically a North America game, and they were like, "Oh, no one in Korea plays it. Well, we can't have that." We're going to shut this down. And then, like, people who only played it occasionally, like, the servers filled up to capacity with people being like, don't shut this down. Don't do it. We love this. Don't do that. Like, they, after you hit a certain number of, of people in an instance, uh, like for Atlas Park, then City of Heroes just spawns a new, it's Atlas Park 2 to spawn into. And everybody went to the Atlas statue and did the the emote of holding up the torch 
as a protest for when they were going to shut the servers down. When they shut the servers down, there were 28 Atlas Parks on just one server. Mm. I looked it up. It but they, closed on November 30th, 2012, so we were actually dead on the money. All right. And then it's like, apparently there's this Korean pride thing where they're like, well, we can't go back on our corporate decision or we'll look weak, so we just leave it shut down. But somebody got a hold of the code and started putting it out there to set up servers, and they were like, well, you know, we were the ones that shut it down and said it wasn't worth doing, so... uh, how about we just uh, how about how about we just leave this alone? There's kind of an unwritten rule that um, private servers are okay because like any not all but like so if if you if you still want to play Ultima online, well, there's the official version that's still out, but crazy isn't that? Um, but yeah. there's there's private servers for that. Like Fantasy Star Online still has private servers. Um, mm-hmm. There's ever there's there's because that one's a big one. There's like that 1999 project for EverQuest that's like mm-hmm. big right now. Um, which I haven't played that in god long ass time. Did you ever play mm-hmm. EverQuest? No, I never played EverQuest. No. Yeah, that was um, yeah. I, I've played a lot of MMOs over the years. Yeah. So I guess my answer to this would be the Division Two on my PC. If you haven't played that, okay. that's that's like one of those online. You can team up with people. It's um, it's in that Tom Clancy vein. So it's kind of a cover-based third-person shooter, and you know, enemies drop equipment and stuff like that. And you're, it's kind of like a post. You're in like a post-apocalyptic Washington D.C. Okay. In the first game, it was New York. They're having an expansion where you can go back to New York, but it's it's not like I wouldn't say it's the best game ever, but it's fun. Like it's fun to level up and gear your character up. Okay. Is it an FPS? No, it's third person. Huh. Okay. Interesting. So it's like it the um if you if you're doing like a sniper rifle, it's kind of FPSy when you're looking through the scope. But um, it's more third person. Like, so you pretty much hide behind a thing, hope they don't like throw a grenade at you, and then you just take people out. Now, the nice thing about this for soloing, though, if you're not so good, they have um, you get like abilities as you go. So you can get like this remote control turret, and you can get like a drone that'll attack things. So that kind of okay. helps you out because you can kind of throw the remote control torrent between the enemies and you. Mm-hmm. But really, where you kind of get screwed in this game is if you if you get a little too reckless and let the enemies flank you because the enemies are actually kind of smart in this because they do try and like flank you. Mm-hmm. So it's a good idea to kind of like scope out the area and be a little tactical with it, or you'll get killed, even if you're a lot. Oh, okay. Enemies. Um, and it's actually they're coming out with an expansion next month, so you can you can get the base game for like three dollars on PC for like the UPlay store right now. The guys over at Penny Arcade have been having uh, fun crowning on the on it being like three dollars. Um, just not amusingly, not just cl- like one of them is steadfast in the it should cost nothing at this point. <laughs> but uh, I'll just leave that there. 
and like there's story missions and stuff like it's it's a fun like it's a fun post-apocalyptic game it's 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 not quite as good it has some things that are better than the first one i feel like the atmosphere of the first game was better okay but it's it's a fun it's a fun way to if you like if you want like if you want something to like that you can run around and shoot people with it's it's not bad and like maybe do some side missions and stuff Mm-hmm. So that is it. Yeah, that's, a, that's all I got. Yep, so that's <laughs> it for the bag of holding this week. All righty. Well, we always get a kick out of doing the bag of holding, and uh, we need to get that restocked. I know there's one question in there I was waiting. I keep waiting for it to pop up, but we'll get around to it Ask that sooner or later. Make sure I got that in there. Um, but we are, you know. Do you guys think you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Do you think we're we're on point off base? Did we hit something you didn't think of, or did you think of something we didn't think of? Please let us know on social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, them Twitters, as as the young folks apparently say. And uh, this is Shad here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and uh, we'll see you next time.